This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel, Carnival. Hello and welcome to AFLW Draft Insight, the Victorians Part 2, a special production of the Final Siren Podcast by draftcentral.com.au and by Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden from Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Thanks for your company. And I'm joined here by the editor of draftcentral.com.au, Peter Williams. Peter, how are you? Yeah, really good. Great, thanks, Pete. Good to be here and uh, always love chatting draft, boys or girls. It's uh, an exciting time for the young players wanting to make the next step up to the grade. Now, in this edition of AFLW Draft Insight, we'll be taking a look at the Victorian AFLW clubs and what possible players they could be picking up with their respective picks. And we'll also be taking a look at the following VFLW clubs, the Casey Demons, Essendon, Darabin, Carlton and Weemstown, and what players they have to offer into the draft that we think could be taken, as well as some some of the NAB League girls that did not play in the VFLW this year. And Peter, we should importantly point out that we try to mention as many names as possible, but if we do miss a name, it's not a reflection on that player's possibility of being drafted. Yeah, no, there's just so many. We'd probably be going on for several days um, in terms of how many players that could be there, particularly at the back end of the draft, because there's players that one club might only be interested in and they might see them down at Timbuktu or something and go, yep, they're the fit for me and we obviously can't cover them all. So um, we've just picked out a handful that we think are, are worth mentioning. So let's kick off this episode of AFLW Draft Insight by taking a look at the Casey Demons and a couple of noticeable Gippsland power players pulling on the Demons jumper this VFLW season. One of them, Shannara Notman. Not too often I go to a game and are absolutely amazed, but uh, that happened this year when I saw her playing against uh, Calder Cannons down at... Uh, the Morwell down there. She was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, hadn't played for most of the season. Uh, she's obviously took a year off, played basketball, um, came back in, and her rebounding was phenomenal. She read the ball in flight. She took the game on. Sometimes she was a little overzealous. Uh, we'll talk about Georgia Patricios, uh next, but she's uh, she's a player who she tried to sidestep, and you just never do that. Um, but other than that, like her ability kicks long, and then she went up to the champs for Vic Country off basically a couple of games of NAB League and was one of the better players there for Vic Country. She played forward, took some good grabs, pinch hit in the ruck. Um, she can play anywhere, and, and her rise has been remarkable, and it, it's just great to see. Another Gippsland power player playing at the Casey Demons is Nakia Weber. This is what Damien Keeping had to say about Nakia. You know, Nakia's um, uh, had a really uh, solid um, uh, NAB League um, uh, season with uh, with Gippsland Power. Um, you know, she comes in, she's an exciting forward. Um, she's very strong. Uh, she can take a really good contested mark. Um, a wonderful kick of the ball. You know, if we talk about individual strengths, a, a kick is, is a real quality. She's an exciting young player who, um, you know, I'm certain has uh, has some really good opportunities at the, at the next level ahead of her. Yeah, look, She's the best kick in the draft, and that that's as as simple as it put. Not just because of her ability to hit the target, but to hit the target at 50-plus metres. Um, I know Darren Flanagan, who was obviously the overall female talent manager for the TAC Cup girls last year, and now obviously with the, the boys' stingrays, he'd said that she is the elite kick. If there was one player, obviously, that has that kick, it's, it's her... Um, she's able to hit targets, able to do that. It's just her consistency at times. Uh, I think she's hard done by. Didn't make the Vic Country squad in the end uh, for the champs, which I thought she was quite stiff. Look, 
she's she's just been phenomenal in a team that hasn't scored much. Um, she was really helped out by Tyler Hanks last year, being in that midfield. This year they struggled a bit. The power obviously finished on the bottom. Um, didn't get a lot of chances, but to be honest, she worked it worked really hard. Um, she just keeps going and going. Um, sometimes she can look like she's a bit, I guess, uh, lazy for lack of a better word, but she's not. It's just the way that she's sort of able to cover the ground so quickly that it looks like she's walking half the time. But genuinely, she's an absolute talent, and I'd be more than happy to have her on a, on, on a list. She's just got some real huge upside, and it's great to see that Casey have been identifying that as well. Also, for the Casey Demons, we looked through their senior list at VFLW players. You've got Bridie Wingbanks, who transferred across from the Essendon Football Club last year, uh, was the Demons' key ruck. And the couple of games that I saw her, Wingbanks was winning the taps, but what I was concerned about was the variety and the work. It just seemed to be just tap it straight down, tap it straight down, tap it straight down. There was no trying to hit someone on the chest and create... Uh, open space, trying to punch the ball forward. There was a lack of variety, so she can win the ball, but the variety wasn't there. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. She uh, she came from Essendon, from my memory, uh, came out of the Oakley Chargers and didn't go to Collingwood because they had the rucks. Um, but she's a player that needed to work on a few things. She was had some areas. She was nice and tall, um, able to get the ball, get hands on the ball, but it's just developing that side of her, I guess, the footy IQ. And unfortunately, last year, there were so many rucks in the NAB League girls that, uh, or TAC Cup girls then that she just wasn't able to really make her mark uh, uh, in the Vic Country, Vic Metro teams. Um, but this year, she's been able to go back, have a go at Casey, have a bit more of a season and hopefully that uh, holds her in good stead for the future. Also as well, there's Nicole Garner, Kayla Bent-Velzen that you can pick up and Melanie Hogg is a name worth remembering. A good midfielder coming out of the um, Eastern Football League out of Mount Evelyn. Um, I've been told a bit frustrated at Casey Demons because she is a midfielder and she's been thrown out of the midfield a few times simply because of the AFLW talent that drops back when you've got Lily Menthon and Catherine Smith and the likes of that wanting a game. It's just a case of you may be having good, but you're just forced out because the AFLW talent's back. Yeah, and unfortunately, that'll be the case with a lot of clubs. And hopefully, uh, she's able to take that on board and show that, hey, I can play in other positions. And this might actually help me get drafted because it'll be the same case at AFLW clubs going, well, we've got all these midfielders. But hey, there's one that's coming through that could also play in defense, could play forward, could go do this, could do that. And that only helps them their, their draft case going forward. We turn now to the Essendon Football Club. You're listening to AFLW Draft Inside, a special edition of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, as heard on RSN Carnival. Um, let's let's start with the big name. I'll throw it to you. For the call to cannons, Giorgio Patrikios. Yeah, look, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we talk about the, the, the top three. We mentioned McAvoy. One of the others, Giorgio Patrikios. Um She's one of those players that I'm probably a bit hard on in general term because I absolutely love the way she plays. And if she doesn't go out and dominate, she's one of those players that you end up going frustrated because you're like, no, you could absolutely dominate, even though she's probably the best player on the ground. She's someone who you just want to push and push and push and and do even better. Look, her her ability forward to center is the best of anyone. Her agility is the best of anyone. She just sidesteps people with ease. Um opens up space for her teammates. Her disposal, uh, more often than not, is terrific. Um, she's able to just get get in, um, get it done. Uh, consistency at time is the one area that probably needs to work because she was in a team that 
I mean, in the end, they made the grand final, but they had some um, poor games at times, which often uh, would leave her a bit out. Uh, opposition teams knew that if they could shut her down, it would be a, a long way to winning and it would um, uh, obviously annoy her. But in terms of her ability... When she stepped up to that Vic Metro squad, she was able to just completely dominate. She obviously won the overall MVP. Um, it was the best I'd seen her play. She played four-quarter efforts, absolutely outstanding. And she's one of those players that I think she's the cream uh, on, on top. She's the player that if you've got those inside midfielders that handball it out, get it out, get it to your runners, she's a player you just want the ball in the hands of. She's a player that will just... Uh, finish the game off, take the game from the opposition. As long as you've got those inside midfielders, she'll be that outside cream that can just absolutely um, go to the races, as they say, and really uh, add something to your side. Another call to Cannons football that played with Essendon is Alana Barber. Here's Essendon coach Brendan Major. Obviously came through the, the, the Calder program. She's a really intelligent footballer. She's a really athletic footballer, uses the ball well. Um, so she'll start at half-back for us today, where we, we started with Patricius last week. So she's great to have around the group. She she brings really good energy. So we've actually got a lot from all our all our Calder-aligned players this year. So it's now that they're available um, after the carnival, it's, it's great to have them in the group. Yeah, she's a tackling machine, uh, Alana Barber. She was that inside presence for Patricio. She spent a bit of time at halfback as well in the NAB League girls um, and could go forward, but predominantly she's that inside midfielder that tackled, um, got the ball out, shoveled shoveled it out. Um, you know, she's not afraid of a contest. Um, she had the, uh, the long plat down the back, which I know uh, during the AFL season, uh, they weren't too happy about uh, girls having, so that might have to change. But um, look, she's fierce attack on the ball, um, loves winning it, loves the contest, and it's great to see. Also from the Calder Cannons playing for Essendon, Felicity Theodore. Yeah, look, she's a she's a small player that can play back uh, or forward. Uh, I tend to think that uh, up forward she's got that ability to just um, provide that defensive pressure. She's, she's a real tackling machine. Doesn't always um, uh, win a heap of the ball, but similar to Barber, she just adds it all in, in, in the defensive aspect. And she's often doing things off the stat sheet, such as your shepherds, your blocks, your, um, just dragging an opponent out or, or running back. She's got a nice bit of pace about her. She's able to burst away from her opponent. Um, good at ground level. Uh, look, yeah, as I mentioned, she's not overly tall, but look, she's got a bit of talent. She um, uses the ball fairly well, so she'd come into consideration from clubs. Let's go through some of the senior-listed uh, Essendon VFLW players. One is Courtney Ugal, originally out of the Frio Dockers, originally from WA, relocated to Essendon her second year there. Took over the captaincy from uh, Lisa Williams, now Lisa Brown, married and currently pregnant as we speak, and I don't think the bub's too far away from popping out as we record. Congratulations to Lisa. Um, here is uh, Maddie Collier talking about um, Courtney Eugle and her taking over the captaincy and how that's uh, lifted her game. Eugle is doing a lot to make sure she carries on the um, good leadership that Willow experienced and um, I think she's done a really good job for us so far. Um, she's a very team-oriented player, so she's been putting us first. And, um, yeah, I really admire the way that Eugle goes about it and I think that she's been really good for us. Now, with Courtney Eugle, um, the one thing that I think of is where will she end up? Because not only is she you know, a good leader, a good captain, she she missed the second half of the VFLW season with an injury that uh, she came up with the game against Collingwood, but she'll be right to go by the AFLW season. 
She originally um, tried out with the West Coast Eagles. She went over with that group with Haley Bullis, and Haley Bullis ended up being signed by the West Coast Eagles. Currently based in Victoria, so you would assume that she has nominated for the Victorian draft because the Eagles have looked over her. But according to my sources, has had a conversation with David Lake of the Gold Coast Suns. Well... I mean, if that doesn't tell you she's willing to go anywhere for a dream, then I don't know what does. She's willing to travel all parts of the country. And to be honest, that's an area that we've seen in the past with rookies, if available, where, you know, they can pick you out of any area. You don't have to. You can nominate for, say, Victoria. And look, if she misses out, then Gold Coast can go, look, we'll we'll take you or um, along those lines. Or if Gold Coast will go, we'll give you a senior list spot, then obviously she'd go, yep, I'll go for the Queensland pool. Um and it's great to see them getting a good chance and, and being able to chat with uh, coaches and, and clubs and, and whatnot and try and get a, a gauge of where they should nominate because obviously it does make it difficult when you do have to nominate for a pool. One player I'm scratching my head over that got delisted by Carlton, considering you know the, the very consistent performances she's had at AFLW level, has been Shay Audley. She's shown that again in combination with Georgia Nanscorn, who we'll talk about in a moment's time. You know, a person has got leadership skills, teaching background. You're still thinking with someone at Shay's age, yeah, there's still a good two, three, even maybe four years of football left in her. But for her to be uh, at the moment, uh, quote unquote, on the scrap heap, it's head scratching. Yeah, look, she's another one. And we talk about those players that play roles within um, the best 22 or, or, you know, best best side out on the park. And, and she's a player that does just that like she plays consistently each week yeah she's not the most elite talent when it comes to your top five or six but she plays a role she assists she makes players around her better so it is quite interesting and surely she'll be a player that will come into consideration also is alexandra quickly now um it, it's been r- reported and mentioned on the sm website last year you know she's a player that you know struggled a bit with depression you know trying to you know uh come to the deal with the early hype that was around her a number of years ago when she was a 16 17 year old coming out of summary played with the spurs and of course, ended up at Essendon. Um, sometimes is a little bit consistent, uh, inconsistent, and does go missing. But when she's on fire, and she's been on fire a number of times this year for Essendon, Alex Quigley, one of the best lead-up, hit-up forwards around in the competition, and has wheels, can get up the ground. And we we spoke about before um, the athletic forwards they need, and and that's exactly that. So I mean, she's probably benefiting from the way the game goes. So while others, uh, unfortunately, might be victims of that, she might be a beneficiary of that. So she's a player that clubs might go, yeah, you you, you fit that need. You do move well. You, you're able to take the ball. You're able to hit the scoreboard. That's a forward that we need, and, and it works in her favour. Dare I say, because as much as she doesn't want the hype, I'll throw a bit more hype on her. I'm calling her Katie Brennan Light. Well, it'll be quite a quite a big uh, big call there, but uh, it'll be interesting. See how see. Hopefully, she can get to that next step and see how she goes. Similar build, similar kicking style. Can kick a distance like KB does. Can work up the ground. Okay, doesn't have the athleticism at this stage to match a KB, but there are some striking similarities. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's always great to be compared to any great player, but certainly someone like a KB who is one of the dominant players in the competition. Uh, Hopefully she could build on those areas going forward, get drafted, and then from there she's able to really uh, complete her game. 
Another player that was unlucky was Georgia Nanscorn. Um, she was originally on the North Melbourne list as a, a rookie last year. Uh, speaking to Scott Gowans, uh, the only reason she was delisted was simply they just had a stacked midfield. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Like <laughs> We know he's very open with his comments, and it's great to see. Look, everyone knows where they stand, and um, a bit of unluckiness there for her. This is Essendon coach Brendan Major talking about Georgia Nanscorn. I know when she was at, at North Melbourne, um, it's it's kind of a product of the, of the AFL team that you're playing in. So at North Melbourne with a midfield of, of Carney and Brutton and yeah. Riddell and you know those types of players, it's really difficult to play in that midfield group. Um, so they tried to play her as a forward, uh, which I think she can be very effective as a forward. But in our team, when she gets in a chance just to be around contests and around the ball, she's excelled this year. So I would expect that she'll get another crack at the top level, to be honest. And as I said earlier, her working in tandem with Shay Audley has been a great one-two duo in the midfield for Essendon this year. Yeah, look, they've, they've really improved this year, Essendon. Um, they've been a lot more competitive. Obviously, they were in the uh, bottom couple last year, uh, right down the bottom. But um, this year, they've been really competitive. Even against the better sides, for most part, they've been able to match it with them for, for large portions of the game. And... and no short part due to the midfield uh, in there and those kind of players that have provided that uh, AFLW experience. And look, they're probably at the top of the list of, of clubs that are looking for maybe those recycled AFLW players ready for a second chance. The reason why they've been getting uh, first use of the football has been the hard work by Simone Nelda, who's been the lone hand rack for Essendon. Yeah, seems an interesting one. She came across um, in our inaugural season um, and she's sort of progressed and, and um, improved consistently across the last two years. And I think she's very much underrated um, at a league level. She comes in and she competes really, really well and gives our, our midfielders first use a lot of the time. So um, she's a very mature individual and she's very professional. So I actually haven't seen a change since she's taken the responsibility of, of captaining the side on a weekly basis because she was an exceptional leader beforehand. Absolutely. Simone Nelda there, um, the standalone rack for um, Essendon. Continuing our look through the other players as well. We talked about recycled AFLW talent. Megan Fogus, originally on the Geelong list, uh, playing out of Essendon, has been a quality player for them. I think off the halfback, that's one to look out for. And also as well, talking about the halfback, the speedster in Kendra Hile. Now, this has been a story. She was taken in the 2016 draft by Collingwood. So was officially an AFLW contracted player, but never got to play because she was coming back off one ACL and then unfortunately did the other ACL at training. So she was delisted by Collingwood, came back through Essendon VFLW last year after spending two to three years off playing football. Wasn't at her best last year, it was safe to say. And you could tell that she was still a bit nervous coming back off that knee injury. I even commented at the time saying that if Essendon weren't short of leaders and senior players, then she should have played at least half a year at the Eastern Devils in community football to get the confidence back. But simply because they were short of players, they had injury concerns, they just had to rush her straight back in. Now that she's had a year, year and a half, almost two years of football underneath her, she's coming back and starting to not only hit the form that she was at previously, but now reimagine instead of a winger half forward to being a half back. Yeah, and the versatility is really important. Look, uh, obviously she was one of the most talked about prospects uh, coming across um, to the sport and, and the country and really being um, someone who Collingwood were really keen to, to get on the park. It didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, that's the way it goes sometimes. Obviously she's been keeping busy outside of footy too. With She's got a fair bit of talent. Um, 
uh, in in her art and, and whatnot. But I mean, on the field, she's obviously put together a really good season this year um, after coming back and being that uh, bit shaky last year, as you said. So hopefully now that um, clubs see what they saw in her a few years ago and, and that she can get over her injuries and, and be more consistent and finally live out that AFLW dream. Here's Essendon coach Brendan Major talking about Canadian Kendra Heil. Oh, there's no doubt that confidence plays a large part in it. Um, we always knew that she had the skill um, as a footballer. She's 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 been a really good footballer for a long time and she works really hard. But going down back, what she gives us is some good run off half-back and she's also a penetrating kick. So from a half-back line, we, we put play like Molly Warburton and and Kendra Heil off the halfback flank and it just gives us that run and drive um, to try and set up some offensive movement from the halfback flank. Essendon have also had some good Indigenous talent coming through the program. One of them to look out for is small forward in Jessica Stasi. So uh, keep an eye on that name. Jessica Stasi, small Indigenous forward for the Essendon Football Club. Exciting. Kicked a couple of spectacular goals, I think, against Darabin, it might have been, when we were calling them uh, earlier in the year during our VFLW Match of the Day coverage. Let's go across to the Darabin Falcons. Uh, Michael Erickson was coaching them during the uh, 2019 season. And I guess opportunities were were the theme there at Darabin because... uh, the Darabin list, to to be fair, is looking a lot different to what it was two years ago when you had all that AFLW talent. Yeah, and, and to be honest, they actually probably fared better than I thought they would this year, although they did finish the second bottom in the end, which we knew Williamstown would probably be the one that um, ended up suffering a bit. But in terms of their talent, look, they've got heaps across the board. Um, there, there's plenty of players that are sort of developing. Um, it's been pretty tough in that year that I, I guess that they've had. But they've had players that have stood up and and really performed quite strongly. Let's focus, first of all, on the Northern Knights players that have fed through to them. Uh, The first one being Nell Morris-Dalton. Yeah, look, she's got better as the season's gone on. Started as your, I guess, stereotypical just stay-at-home forward, and she's really worked on her aerobic capacity, getting up, taking marks, clunking more of them, becoming a real threat inside 50, able to kick multiple goals. Her final series was as good as anyone's um, for the Knights stood up in the grand final, kicked important goals, and was just a real target. So she's a player that um, I think has gone from someone who might get drafted to someone who, in my opinion, should get drafted. Um, We'll just have to see how they go. But certainly she's got a fair bit of talent and has improved in a short space of time. The other Northern Knights player is Sarah Sensonetti. Yeah, really consistent defender. Um, You know, she just does everything right. Real team player. She's able to spoil, able to mark, um, moves well, able to come off halfback and just get it forward. Um... Really been consistent in that uh, back six for the last couple of years. Uh, and another premiership player who, you know, doesn't do too much wrong. She's not going to be an out-and-out elite player like some that we've mentioned, but she's going to be a really consistent player, and hopefully she gets a chance as well. There's a couple of senior-listed uh, VFLW players, pardon me, at uh, Darabin. have been around for a while. Um, you've got Rennie Hicks, formerly an AFLW-listed player, was delisted by Carlton, um, originally out of uh, Diamond Creek. Uh, Gabby Colvin and Annalise Lister have been there for a while at the Darabin Falcons. And this is what Coach Michael Erickson had to say about that trio. Gabby Colvin, key defender. Um, she's probably arguably our best defender at the moment and she'd be pretty high up in our best and fairest, I reckon. Uh, Rennie Hicks um, came off her back game, best game against St Kilda last week. Um, she's just tackling ferociously. Uh, Annalise Lister, I know I mentioned her last time. Her last couple of weeks, she spent more time inside midfield, so that's really worked well for her as well. So those three especially, I reckon, have gone up a notch. And that was recorded in the uh, middle of the season.
Yeah, so obviously uh, a lot's changed since then, but they've uh, built on their seasons and, and remain in draft contention. They're players that obviously coming from that Darabin program, we know it's a, a terrific uh, program, hasn't had the success that it's had in past years due to the AFLW and, and players going to their aligned clubs, but they've still had uh, you know quite a few players that have stood up and hopefully uh, they, they're able to get their chance. Uh, other players available, Brooke Patterson, of course, from a Melbourne AFLW-listed footballer. Uh, she's available. They've got the captain in Steph Simpson, who's been around for a couple of years, have been consistent. Georgia Hammond has been a forward for them, a good hit-up forward. Um, and, and it's probably grown a little bit since um, uh, you've had the likes of Darcy Vessio and Katie Brennan-Lee, that she's now become the number one focus. Genevieve Lawson Tavern running through the midfield. And Kathleen Rowe is an interesting story because Kathleen Rowe, if anyone's better, she's a supremely fit athlete, you know. Fitness is her name. Um, she's just been unlucky. She's had um, some injuries over the years, including an ACL. Uh, finally get a full season under the belt, and she has been terrific for them in the back pocket. Yeah, look, uh, and fitness is the number one key in the game that's ever-growing, getting faster, getting harder. Um, you need someone who's going to be able to run out games and obviously been able to play in defence, uh, work over her opponent. Um, you know that she's not going to come up against someone who um, is going to run harder than her. So she's uh, obviously a player that um, will be able to play a role uh, like many others and hopefully she gets a chance. I'm not sure you've been over this name, Victoria Blackwood out of Shepparton. Yeah, look, she's one from the country. She, it's going to be interesting. Like she, She's a player obviously coming from quite a fair bit out um, and I love the surprise packets, the ones that they pluck out of, uh, I guess, obscurity from a local league or a country league or a club that no one really ever heard of. So um, it's going to be – I love to hear those stories, and hopefully there's players like her that get a chance in the draft. Here's Victoria Blackwood, or being spoken, should I say, Victoria Blackwood by Michael Erickson. She's played a couple of games with us uh, this year already. She's from the country, so she's a key defender, um, really strong uh, will not often get beaten 1v1. Um, has worked on her kicking a bit because that's probably been an area of uh, RFI for her, so room for improvement. Um, but she's really good in the one-on-one contest. Let's focus on the Carlton Football Club. Um, a disappointing year for them in the VFLW, uh, considering that they would have been looking to try and push a bit further up the ladder to give some confidence to the AFLW program, who finished uh, second in conference uh, pardon me, first in Conference B and then, of course, got through to the grand final. Um, a couple of Northern Knights players through them. I'll start, first of all, with Gabby Newton. Yeah, look, and we talked about the elite three off the top. Uh, McAvoy, Patrikios and Newton completes that. Gabby Newton is absolutely superb. She can play anywhere on the field. She's um, she's played in defence, midfield, forward, can ruck. She's got a great leap. She's a basketballer as well. Um, doesn't do too much wrong. Probably a bit rawer than the other two in McAvoy and Patrikios, so she's still got areas to build on, but she's still really consistent. And, you know, she's really hard to beat because she's taller than the other two. She's able to, you know, kick long goals, uh, provide a target, and get involved, and she's also a really bubbly personality. Like she's a bit of a, a a cheeky player, like one that you know gets around her teammates, isn't afraid uh, for a laugh, but also does all the defensive things right. So she's just a a really top talent, and again, she'll be one that'll come in consideration for the top couple of picks. Another Northern Knights footballer playing for Carlton is Brittany Gutnick. Um, Shannon McFerrin spoke about her a few weeks ago. Brit's fantastic. She's a young girl that obviously um, comes to the Northern Knights and. 
She's been working really, really hard at training and obviously played in the championships and had a, a few games there as well. So quite a lead in terms of her skills and um, the way that she finds her footy and really strong mark overhead. Yeah, she's a really underrated player because unfortunately she's sort of come from a, a club which has Gabby Newton, who's potentially a top pick, and the next year they've got a kick uh, called Ali McKenzie, who's potentially the top pick. Um, so she sort of played an underrated role in that midfield. Last year she played forward and kicked seven goals in a game against Bendigo Pioneers. She's been terrific um, as a forward. This year they pushed her into the midfield, and she's been outstanding. Like, obviously... Um, didn't have the same numbers in terms of goals kick, but her work on the inside was absolutely superb. Um, premiership player with the Knights, really key. Um, worked to hard in there with Newton. And um, look, she's a player who, yeah, I, I can't see not getting drafted based on her year. She's shown she can play forward, can play mid. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the way she's performed this year. Another player that seems to have slipped under the radar is Brianna Gurr. Yeah, an- another player, and there's plenty of these in these lists that we've gone through that um, has put together a really consistent season, and obviously they're all sort of fighting for those um, maybe later spots in the draft. It'll be uh, quite keen to see how uh, she's able to fill a need on a on a team list, but she has put together quite a good season, and um, perhaps hopefully she gets a chance. Also, I'll point out that the Wright twins, yes, another set of twins at Carlton. Here, Travis commentators, bananas. We're calling one game where you got the Hosking twins and the Wright twins as well, just to confuse us. But Sarah and Gemma have both been um, outstanding in their own individual ways, uh, particularly when pushing up forward and trying to create some attack and run on the wing. And this is Shannon McFerrin talking about the twins, Gemma and Sarah Wright, originally out of Keylor. You know, like obviously coming up from local footy, it's always a, a big a big jump um, and until you actually play you don't you don't see the difference but I think they're fitted in really nicely and they're, and they're still finding their feet and I think they'll continue to do that like we're continuing to build relationships with these new players at our club um, and you know we'll keep working hard but I think uh, the opportunity for them to get their hands on the footy and really show um, you know the rest of the footy world what they can do um, they're getting there and um, yeah it's just great that they're both with us. Let's turn our attention to the Weemstown Football Club. Now, I should mention out of this, we have not mentioned the NT Thunder. That'll be looked at in our non-Victorians episode. And plus, um, the NT Thunder no longer exist in the VFLW competition or the NEFL for the men's. Uh, They've now ceased operations uh, and AFL Northern Territory taking a different approach there. But as we focus on the wooden spooners for the year, the Weemstown Football Club, let's talk about the biggest name in the room, Moana Hope. Uh, she went to Williamstown, was a, a late signing, did not play in the forward line. They actually played her on the ball as a midfielder. Yeah, and that's probably the right move, to be honest. Look, obviously, probably the forward, she came into the AFLW system as one of the most hyped forwards I think we've ever seen. Um, she was on the same sort of level as your KBs and uh, whatnot going forward, like Daisy Pierce. She was right up there with the names of... Um, those types of players and obviously it hasn't been her go over the last couple of years the system the the way that it's um, gone from a player where she could play at the Sharks and been able to be that one out player and just too smart too good um, inside 50 with the clogging of defenses and the extra player coming over the top and working really hard it's um, she obviously struggled went from Collingwood to North um, went okay there but obviously didn't do enough to regain a contract She's now gone back to Williamstown where she's provided much-needed experience because obviously all those players went to their aligned clubs um, and they only had the two sort of former AFLW players on the list. Um, and, look, she's she's 
done her best. I know she had a 39 disposal game one week, so she's shown she can win the ball and perhaps she's reborn as a midfielder going forward. Who knows? Um, but certainly she's a player that um, I think at, at times during the year couldn't have done much more than what she did. And it's great to see her working hard, especially after, you know, she had some um, challenging times over the off season, um, various different things. But certainly um, she's a player that I think has that talent, ridiculous talent up forward, but just needing to piece it all together. Uh, you're right about Collingwood. She was she was unlucky where they had a stacked forward line when she, when she's a player that needed space and the game plan didn't suit as well. It was the, originally a backwards and forwards and sideways and all over the place game plan instead of just get it in quick like the Sharks used to do. So that robbed her. And by the time she got to North, the whole style of AFLW had changed. Yeah, and unfortunately that's the way it goes. As we mentioned about the victims of the style change, um, same with the the men's game as well. Like it just happens, and unfortunately she's been a victim of that. But she's been able to reinvent some areas of her game, so um, that's good on her. And hopefully she's um, a name that might be on a list uh, somewhere. Does she get drafted? It's going to be tough, I think. I, I, I'd like personally, I hope she does, but I'm not certain at this stage, just because. There is that my worry with this is the fact Williamstown finished on the bottom and there's that sort of theory with any sport, someone had to win the ball and she was in there. And that's what it was. The times that I saw her, it was like a lot of the balls were uh, in the defensive half and it's a bit like, yes, but what did the ball do eventually? Did it get up the ground into a scoring opportunity? On many occasions, no, it did not. So the numbers look nice, but you've got to look mm. deeper into the numbers. Yeah. For me, I think what stands out is a case of um, her age and if you look at her resume, it's like if you go for a job, if, if you hand over your resume and there's job after job after job after job in a short space of time, an employer's going to look at that with doubts going, uh, maybe not. You don't seem to be able to hold down a position. Uh, the, the problem is for Moana Hope is if you include all the VWFL slash VFLW and AFLW clubs, including the Bulldogs, the time that she spent there, at the exhibition games and end up going to Collingwood as a marquee and then obviously North Melbourne. It, it counted as 11 clubs in her career. Now, that's it's just, strangely enough, it's not uncommon on the men's side of things with local football because there's money in the game. And we're expecting that, okay, guys are going club to club to get the coin. That's what's expected. But in a semi-professional slash mostly amateur environment of women's football, 11 clubs would probably have recruiters ringing alarm bells going, why so many clubs? Why have you bounced around all these places? And particularly that she didn't leave North on the best of terms. And I don't know exactly what was said behind the scenes, but when that original post came out of something about player welfare or something that she made online, I think it was through Instagram. Um, I can't remember if it was deleted or not, but it was an initial... That, that's how everyone found out she was delisted, that she made the announcement, not North Melbourne. That might make some clubs, particularly the newer clubs that are trying to set a culture, go, you know, she could have turned herself around and changed her attitude, but they're probably thinking... Maybe not worth the risk when there may be an under eighteen that's available there. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it's 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 the risk uh, versus reward. Um, it, it's hard to see her um, really turning opinions around because unfortunately there was a time where I think that she might have bought into the hype that came with her into the the game. I don't think she quite realised how difficult it would be. Obviously, it's as difficult for every player, but certainly, as you mentioned, the game plan for Collingwood and her going forward. And then, obviously, moving to North, there was a lot of speculation about, oh, here we go. It was just Collingwood. It was just Collingwood. And then she was okay um, there. But again, 
um, a year later she's gone. So um, there's obviously areas that she's been told that need to be improved and no doubt all the clubs will be aware of those. Some Williamstown players worth considering as well. Danica Pedersen is a name that's being brought up a lot. Um, Jasmine Carwa as well. Um, Ashley Melnicka surprisingly doesn't get mentioned much uh, anywhere, even though she's originally out of Diamond Creek, um, is a very good stopper, very good tagger. So any side in need of a tagger, that's a player that you definitely want to have a look at. I remember last year in the VFLW, she played the final round game against uh, Melbourne University and absolutely put the brakes on Emma Carney. Carney was frustrated. Carney was swearing under the sun when she was on the on the boundary line in the interchange. But she was not happy with the tagging attention that she was getting, but did the job. Yeah, and like it's really great because we've seen players do those kind of roles. Like Britt Bonici is a perfect example. Did that role on uh, Daisy Pierce uh, when she was playing um, not too long ago, and and that was just a terrific role. Completely shut her out of the game. So I don't think it's completely dead and. Having a player that can do that, particularly in a big game, if you know someone's um, you know, in form and really dominating, if you can take them out of the game, then potentially you go a long way to winning. And also, one player worth uh, looking out for has been Sharni Whiting, probably playing more around the uh, half-forward flank. An exciting player I think we saw for the first time against the GWS Giants. And going up against an AFLW side, we went, gee, she can really hold her own. And this is what uh, Amy Catterall had to say about Sharni Whiting. She has got the biggest kick you've ever seen, left and right foot, and, and she's generally very, very accurate um, from a set shot. So, you know, I'd be very surprised too if a number of our players weren't looked at for, for the draft coming up. But, um, yeah, Shani's definitely, she's very young. Um, she still has a, a lot more to improve on, which is scary because she is. She's actually quite good. One of those players who probably didn't get the best of the opportunities at Winston because the ball just wasn't getting to the forward line. It wasn't the forward's fault. The ball just wasn't getting there. Yeah, and unfortunately um, for her, it's kind of been that case because she came from the Jets where that was the same story. So they actually put her at full back as well at the Jets. So she can actually play at full back. So because she was playing full forward, she was able to kick long, as mentioned there. Um, she's able to hit the scoreboard, but unfortunately just wasn't getting to her. So she can play in defense, which clubs, hopefully if they remember her draft year, can go, yep, I remember, you know, she was able to do that. She was able to perform, um, you know, last year in that under-18 system. So hopefully she gets that chance. Okay, let's just quickly focus on, from your point of view, some of the um, NAB League girls that have not played VFLW this year that uh, are worthy of people keeping an eye on. Yeah, well, we've got a couple mentioned there from Sandringham Dragons. Uh, Molly Denahi Maloney and Marguerite Purcell. Look, they're both very interesting prospects. Marguerite I actually score, saw for the first time last year in a school footy game playing for Caulfield Grammar. Um, she was playing with uh, Isabella Grant uh, there and, and doing quite well. Look, she's a player, an athlete. She runs really hard, performs really strongly. Um, a real midfielder who, you know, she's a winger, um, but she moves the ball well, gets it from um, one end to the other fairly quickly. Uh, and then Molly Denahi Maloney is a ruck who showed some good signs, still got areas to work on, but she's another athlete who, you know, she can go all day. She led Vic Metro's ruck. Um, she's probably one of the better uh, ruck prospects from the under-18 system. So she's a player who, um, you know, stands tall when they need to. And she captained the, the Dragons this year in a year that was a bit down on the year before. But look, she's a strong competitor and no doubt clubs will see that. 
Okie dokie, let's uh, change tack here on AFLW Draft Insight. Thanks to the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. When we return on the other side of the break, we're going to have a quick look at the AFLW clubs based in Victoria, what picks that they have and what they need. Been playing for a while, sweet kicks. Because footy makes you smile. Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet kicks football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile, Sweet Kicks Football. You're listening to AFLW Draft Insight presented by the Final Siren Podcast, draftcentral.com.au and by Women's Australian Rules Football Radio with Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. So we take a look now, Peter, to the Victorian draft for the AFLW clubs, part of the national draft. They have their own pool. The numbers that we're going to read out with picks are the actual overall national numbers. We're going to start with the Western Bulldogs. We mentioned at the top of the program, they've lost some quality players. They've lost KB. They've lost um, Monique Conti to Richmond. They've uh, also seen uh, Emma Mackey go to the Saints. They've seen Tiana Ernst go up to the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, not to, uh, of course, uh, drag on about it, but last year, of course, they lost Emma Carney and Jenna Bruton to North Melbourne. They lost Astor O'Connor. Um, she went, of course, to Geelong. So there's, there's talent that they need to fill after sliding after that premiership. Here's what the first round alone is looking like for the Western Bulldogs. Pick one, six, eight, and nine. Yeah, and no doubt by the time you take out some of the the interstate ones, that probably makes it even look even better. And then when you continue on later into the draft for the uh, Western Bulldogs, as I just scanned through, they miss out in the second round. The third round, they've got picks 47 and... uh, Pardon me, picks 48 and... 47-48, 47-48, that's right. Um, just near the front of the queue for round three, just behind Richmond and Carlton, which puts them into a pretty good position. In round four, they'll have uh, pick number 62, and that will ra- and uh, then they have the very last pick of the draft, courtesy of the West Coast Eagles. They get pick number 90, which is the end of round six. So they'll lead the draft and they'll end the draft. Yeah, look, they've got a lot of selections in there, and they probably need they probably need to um, pick up a lot of quality just to fill those holes over the last two years. We saw them go from the premiership down to um, fifth, uh, technically a wooden spoon in their conference, but um, I mean it was a very competitive conference as we know. Um, and look, they've got the talent. They're going to have a changing coach who we obviously don't quite know just yet, but. Um, you know, Paul Groves has set them up. They've got a fair bit through there, and I think they're in a really good position going forward. So they do have pick one. Everyone wants to know what it's going to be. In years gone by, bar the first year, it was very easy to pick who was going to be pick one. It essentially came down to uh, one or two players. As as we noticed, um, you know, the Huntington and Malloy who would go first end up being Isabel Huntington to the Western Bulldogs. Last year, it was uh, Noodles, Nina Morrison going as pick number one. But as many said... It 
it could have been Madison Press Parkers if we didn't have that Geelong exclusive part of the draft. Now, of course, anyone in Victoria can be taken by the Western Bulldogs. And in your opinion, who's pick one? Probably go with Lucy McAvoy. Georgia Patrikios or Gabby Newton, they're the top three in my opinion. So I would be going with one of them. Obviously, you've got Georgia Patrikios, who's that outside skillful player who can really add something to a team, perhaps add similar numbers to what Mon Conti did. Um, you know, hit the scoreboard as well as maybe start on a wing or, or play on a flank as well. Um, and then you've got Gabby Newton who can just play anywhere and, and fill a role and provides that taller target that um, could could fill in there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see whether they go that taller or that smaller uh, outside skillful player. Yeah, when you mention about taller, they have lost height. KB plays as a taller player than her height. They've lost Tiana Ernst as well, who could ruck or go to the back line. We know, of course, they've got the likes of Lauren Spark and Elise Gamble there and Isabel Huntington. But let's be fair about Izzy Huntington. She has a history of injury, so they need an insurance policy. Gabby Newton probably fills any role that the Western Bulldogs need, but Georgia Patrikios could win them the game. Yeah, and that and that's what it is. And and Patrikios is probably that player that just has that class and that cream. And as long as you've got those inside midfielders that can get the ball to her, she's able to hit those targets inside 50 wherever they are. And then, of course, when they've got uh, the later picks coming up in 6, 7, 8, 9, who, who are those range of um, under-18s that are just outside the top three that are just really right for the picking for the Western Bulldogs to go, yep, yep, yep? Yeah, well, for, for that, of course, if you take out the Brisbane and GWS picks, um, they actually move up to the fourth best prospect uh, there as well. So it ends up being about uh, four, six, and seven, which is a really huge draft haul. And look, you might be looking at someone like a, a Sophie Molan in there um, who might fill a midfield role. Uh, you might consider uh, later on that Cleo Saxon-Jones, perhaps not there, but the issue they have to fill that key forward role is obviously they don't have a pick for that little bit. So even though like their last pick in that section might be a bit high for someone like a Cleo, potentially they might go, well, they won't be there at the next pick. So they've got to consider that. They might go, if they pick uh, Newton, they might end up going good neck as well and, and having that combination in the midfield. Um, there's quite a bit of uh, talent going through there uh, for them. Um, but certainly, uh, look, it's going to be interesting. I, I personally, if I'm Bulldogs, because you do have so many holes to sort of fill, you sort of go your best available and, and, and see which players you're able to pick up. Because if they continue to look through uh, of some of the players that they they can pick up out of there, uh, you've got Elizabeth George's status who's been very good for them uh, throughout the year. Um, you've got Gemma Lagoya out of Collingwood, and Collingwood are almost resigned to the fact they're going to lose Lagoya. And, and Lagoya is possibly that type of player that could that could replace a Monconti. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, elite skills, a player that. Um, really will do a serious bit of damage um, on the wing, could play half forward, could play half back. Just someone who um, is really able to um, have an impact and, and do a bit of um, skill work. And particularly if you can get um, Lagoya plus, um, you know, Patrikios on either wing, you've got a couple of players that aren't going to miss too many targets going forward. So I think that's a real good start for the Bulldogs. Absolutely. And uh, as they continue their look through, um, um, then, of course, you go down to, as you said, the fifth or sixth best player after that. And then they start uh, to think later on the draft, they've got to use that father-daughter pick to get Isabella Grant. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I think they're really well positioned because normally she'd be in that top 10. But the fact that they do have, once you take out the interstaters, um, down to pick seven, and then there's that gap. 
the next pick will be Grant. I reckon they can survive getting her before then, but after that, yeah, the next pick will definitely have to be her. They'll have to match a bid. And then when it gets to pick 60 at the uh, back of the draft, which they've got the last pick, this is going to be the interesting one. Who is going to be pick 60? Because you're then looking at your more senior listed VFLW players and you've got to think, okay, who's going to slip to the back there? Ashlyn Curling, again, is going to provide them some pressure. Again, if she's available, she doesn't get picked up. You think about the likes of Caitlin Cox and Holly Whitfield. Again, those VFLW listed players that have been consistent throughout the years. You know, no one really talks about them. They're the type of players that could be, and, and, and I might even throw in Rosie Dillon if somehow she slides back there. They're the type of players that could be that pick 60, that last player picked up. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you get to that uh, end of the draft, it's anyone's guess. Like, even at the top end, really... Uh, it's really hard to work out whether you go for that younger talent or the experienced talent at this stage. And um, there's so many names that are deserving of being on a list. And when you have the last pick, you pretty much have a smorgasbord of options. So you've got to then make a very wise decision because you're going to probably dash a heap of dreams by not picking them. So you've got to make sure you pick the right one and hopefully they fill a role. Absolutely. If we go to the Melbourne Football Club, who we know have been stacked, and you can almost say that they've got um, <laughs> a pseudo number one draft pick. They've got Daisy Pierce back after a year off. Yeah, it'll be really interesting <laughs> for me to see how she performs. Obviously, it's never easy having a year off, particularly when um, obviously it's not injury, but uh, a pregnancy and, and spending time with the family and whatnot. No, no doubt coming back that first preseason uh, training session will be a lot harder than any that she's ever done before. So It'll be quite interesting to see how, how she goes and um, how they draft in this uh, this year's draft. She's been doing some training over the recent months with the Casey Demons to try and get back into um, some type of fitness. But um, for me, the surprising thing was that she didn't play for the Casey Demons through the VFLW season. I was thinking, right, around the back end of the season, maybe August, they'll slide her in for a couple of games just to get the feel of the football back. But not to be back goes, well, all right, you, you've been missing from football for 22 months. You know, it's, it's not going to be an easy transition back in, especially with AFLW, with the season being so short. It was the men's game. Then, yeah, you've got a full 22, 23-round season. You can take a few games to get back into it. But with the season being what's going to be possibly seven or eight games, it's like you have to find your touch pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be interesting. So I think uh, she'll definitely be involved in the preseason games to try and get some match fitness up. And no doubt she'll be working just as hard as anyone, if not harder, over the preseason to try and get that fitness back up and back on track. Now, with trades, Melbourne actually comes into the draft in the third round at pick 54. So they're starting to come late into the proceedings. Um, after pick 54, their next pick is at number 72, which is at the end of round four. Um, then into round five, they get picks 77 and 78. And that will round out the draft for them. So they're really at the back end for them they might get their hands on one under 18 footballer that may have slid under the radar but again they're now starting to look at what VFLW listed players they can pick up yeah and obviously Nakia Webber's one who um, didn't make the Vic side this year um, is criminally underrated by quite a few uh, different clubs so um, I'm hoping that potentially she teams up again with Tyler Hanks at Melbourne and she's a player that could fill fill a role there and be someone who develops in the future. I know obviously they've got some serious talent up forward, um, but you know maybe she develops into another role, um, fills that void. Um, Shinara Notman, similar down back. Um, I think just getting some youth in there, one of the probably more experienced side, in terms of their top four or five players, they're as experienced as... Um, any side in the comp, if not the most. So um, 
It'll be interesting to see which way they end up going, but certainly there's a there's a lot of talent coming through. Maybe they link up with their Casey um, Demons players because they did that a bit uh, in previous drafts. So um, yeah, it'll be I'm I'm interested to see which uh, tack they play because obviously they end up finishing fourth in their conference. So they're going to need improvement and where that comes from, whether that's youth or experience, it's uh, going to be keen to see. Players that I could see that could slide back and get under the radar. You look at someone like a Kelly O'Neill, a marking type out of the Southern Saints, which would really help the half-back line there at Melbourne. If you look into the engine room, okay, they might look at um, Ali uh, Gavalis. He's the type of player that, okay, won't start in the midfield because they've already got a stack midfield, but that's kind of your late round, okay, we need an insurance policy if someone goes down, they can jump in and they can fill a role there um looking at uh, the richmond players that they could pick up jenna colwell they're looking to try and boost the forward line a bit more to assist teakin cunningham and eden zanker down there or hannah ibrahim if they're looking to add a small forward down there to try and work at their feet to try and um, kick some goals if they're looking to boost the back pocket you've got a nicole julian type out of uh, melbourne university that could assist them there um again we talk about like the jamie woolitz and madison mcguires that are handy vflw footballers again Again, that is more towards their later round draft picks. Um, also, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Rosie Dillon. But again, they, they're they pretty much good in that midfield there. They're going to need some um, um, outside run. Uh, looking through the Essendon list there, Alex Quigley, again, is probably another tall forward if they're, if they're looking for something there. If they're looking for a smaller midfield, you've already got the Lily Myth in there, so I'm not quite sure Courtney Eugle is going to quite fit into that calculations. Again, maybe a Kendra Heil. Um, off the halfback there for Essendon. We'll try and give them uh, a little bit of speed uh, where required. If they want to boost the back line a bit with a back pocket late in the draft, you've got a Kathleen Rowe that you can pick up there. But um, it, is, it is a bit of a lottery with what's going to happen with Melbourne because we know that their recruiters are very, very good. I've, I've bumped into their recruiters before when they're running around. They know how to pick the diamonds in the rough, and that's why they've always been there about of just falling short of the grand final but always being competitive. But, it's a, but for them, it's it's... I'm not going to say picking for the scraps because that's completely unfair to the players, but they are just waiting to see what happens with all the carnage from the under-18s, who's off the table before they can really start drafting a plan. Yeah, so like Melbourne and and Collingwood are the two of those teams. Obviously, the other teams have some earlier picks, but those two are the two that, due to trades and and whatnot, um, are basically left to, uh, I guess, other teams' decisions. So they have to have a contingency plan in place to try and get the players that might be left over that maybe someone else didn't see the value in, but they do. Okay, let's talk about the uh, North Melbourne Football Club. They finished third in Conference A, and they're still filthy about finishing third in Conference A when they thought they should have been playing finals football, but that's how the uh, conference system worked out. For North Melbourne in their second year in the AFLW competition, they have one pick in the uh, opening round, and that is pick 10 overall, but it's a little bit up the order when you take away the interstate sides. Uh, When you go to round two, they'll have a pick at number 32. You go to round three, they'll have a pick at at number 49 in round four, a pick at number 64 and round five, a pick at number 79 overall. And that concludes their draft after uh, five rounds. So they're middle of the road in each round. They are probably in a position to get two good under-18s footballers. You heard Scott Gowan say they're in the market for a ruck and they're in the market for a back. So out of the under-18s, that will probably be, what, the sixth, seventh, eighth best under-18. Who's available there for North Melbourne? 
Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because in those areas, it's generally other positions that are that are probably looking at Phil. Obviously, Millie Brown would be right up there, but unfortunately, you know, she's going to be linked to the, to the Geelong um, region. So it'll be quite interesting to sort of see whether they go with someone maybe a, a, a Elizabeth Georgia Stathis who could play in, in defence, or um, perhaps a Sophie Molan if they want to uh, play her back there. Um, they've got a few different uh, options. Sarah Sansonetti's one who might be probably a bit later down the. Order, but someone who could fill that role. Um, we spoke about Molly Denahi Maloney. Again, she's probably later down the order. Um, I must admit, when it talks about rucks or, or if you go tall defenders, you're probably looking at um, ones uh, later down the order. So whether or not they go best available and then they pick out uh, more experienced players, that's that's a potential. Or maybe they go someone like a, a, a Shani Whiting who could play at either end or, um, you know, uh, perhaps they've got someone on their list that they decide, you know what, we're going to chuck them there and we're going to play a different player there. And um, I, I just have a feeling they might go more experience um, or pick best available early on and then go for those taller options, particularly when it comes to the under-18s. And again, uh, Scott Gowan said that they're pretty much right for midfielders, so they don't have to worry about with the elite midfield they've got. They've got a great forward line, particularly with Jazz Garner down there. So it's, again, of just them adding a few specklings because if, if results went their way, they were almost on their way to a flag in their debut year. Yeah, and I think a lot of clubs sort of saw that the way that they recruited uh, pre-season, and certainly if they'd been in the other conference, I think there's no doubting they finished top pretty easily. So, um, look, it's a terrific effort by them in their debut year, but um, we know that they're pretty hungry for more and they'll be more damaging. And um, after having so much experience, they'll look to add some uh, serious talent. Um, obviously, it's worth, I know we'll mention them in the next draft, but obviously it's worth mentioning Mia King's a pretty handy player to pop in. She's probably a top 10 player or, or thereabouts, certainly that second round um, uh, type that uh, will be really add to them. Now, obviously, she's a midfielder, so they don't really need her. But, look, she's a she's a great talent and will be one that's uh, worth mentioning in North Melbourne draft discussions. And my Smokey there for uh, North Melbourne later on in the in the draft, if they need to uh, fill up that back line, there's Nicole Hales out of Collingwood, a solid defender, and I think worthy of a, a round five uh, draft pick for them. Uh, let's have a look at the Collingwood Football Club. Um, yeah, not much happening in the draft. I hate to say that. I know you're a Collingwood supporter. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to that. I've said, like... Often I'd go to a game and if it were two of the lower teams, are like, this is probably the teams you're looking at because uh, they're probably the ones that will be left by the end of it. But there's still plenty of value there. I think there's a lot of players that could be left um, that might not have that role. It's more disappointing because you know there's so many talented players. You're like, yeah, they're not going to last. They're not going to last. They're not going to last. Um, rather than who you're going to get. Um, look, Collingwood might end up going a bit more experienced at that uh, end of the draft, but I think chances are there'll be someone who we think goes higher that drops down from that under-18 system. The picks that Collingwood have, they have to wait to pick 67 before they become active in the draft. Um, again, mind-boggling what uh, the decision was with the Collingwood program to... I know they wanted Bree Davey, and, and they're going to be great because they have Bree Davey this year, and they get Chloe Malloy back from injury, so we have to remember that. But when you finish bottom of the ladder, normally policy is... You're there. Okay, you're at the bottom of the ladder. The, the rainbow at the end of it is you get the best under-18s available. To be able to be so far back in the draft and not get the best under-18s, my God, that might have just damaged the club. Yeah, and I, at first I was very sort of worried about this move and, and whatnot. And then I, I, I must admit, I looked back on the season as a whole once I'd finished being very upset about it um, and realised that there were so many games they were actually in and that they could have won and that 
I, I guess the, the silver lining or the rainbow that perhaps they look at is the fact that if we'd had Bree Davey on the park, could we have beaten Carlton when we were up? Or could we have, you know, really matched it with um, some of the other teams like a, a Melbourne who they just got away from them uh, and whatnot? There were so many games that they got close. They finally got them in the end, um, obviously, uh, at the end with Brisbane and whatnot. But there were so many games that they were so close. GWS, another example, they came back and, and fought back if we had that experienced player, could they have just made that difference Um, because they had such a young list? So I sort of look at it and go, yeah, there's a real... they, They need to nail this. They need those players they've already drafted to improve a lot quicker than what most clubs would. Um, they picked really well, and then this year they're sort of like, look, we're, we're left to other clubs' devices, and it's a huge risk. Um, hopefully, Pre Davey ends up winning practically best and fairest or becomes that Chloe Malloy. We know that she is. We know she's an elite talent, and I think that's what they sort of lacked, and, and having that experience will really help. Uh, one thing I should say uh, for Collingwood that will blow your mind and, um, as we said at the time, was uh, a damning statistic on the conference system. Collingwood were the clear wooden spooners. However, if they had beaten Geelong, still losing to Geelong by a point in that opening game, if they'd beaten Geelong in that opening game by 10 points, they would have finished second in Conference B and made the top four. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing. They were they were actually competitive in a lot of the game. They got blown away, I think, in two of them. But most of the games are actually fairly competitive. The ones in their conference, they were actually pretty even with. Like I think all those games, they were fairly competitive with. So um, they, they were able to really, uh, I guess, perform above what we expected. Because to be honest, I know when we did it last year, we didn't expect great too too much from them. Um, and certainly going into the season, it was more of a well, if they don't win the wooden spoon, it's a bonus. But um, look, that they sort of performed really strongly against Geelong, and we thought, oh, maybe they might be all right. And then, yeah, it sort of fell away. But um, look, they've got some young talent that's still there. Katie Lynch, um, we know, was uh, starting to develop and whatnot, had a good season. So they're starting to build that talent. Uh, Michaela Cairns, another one. They're taking high and, and, and everything like that. So look, they don't have the high picks, but hopefully they can find a gem. Collingwood's picks in the draft are picks 67, 74, and 82. So just the three picks, they'll be at the back. Fair to say they won't be getting an under-18 talent with that. And plus, anyway, I think many were talking about the under-18 talent wasn't as deep this year as it was last year. In fact, more people are talking about the 17-year-olds for next year's draft in uh, 2020. So that means they have to look at the VFLW-listed players that are available out there. Maybe their captain will be available, Grace Bucken from the VFLW, that they can uh, upgrade. Ashlyn Kelly, as we talked about earlier, as the Irish woman, if she slides down the draft, she's a player that they could possibly pick up. Kirby Bentley, do they take a risk on Kirby Bentley at pick 82 and go, look, she's there. We've got some talented players. We know if she's fit, she's very good. We're, we're, we're looking at that type of talent. Do they go, right, Kirby? Go. Yeah, well, at pick 82, it's probably not much of a risk because you don't know what you're going to get. And at least you know what you're going to get out of her. Whether it, You might not know whether you're going to get her on the park, but you know what you're going to get out of her. So that's a lot more than a lot of other players, particularly the young ones. So um, I, I think, look, if she's there, it could be an option. That They've lost Dutchy Kai's um, and other players that would normally be your real tough inside mids at, uh, at Collingwood. If Shay Audley's there late in the draft, they go Shay Audley going, right, Shay can go in there, feed the ball out, and we tell Bree, you stay to the outside. Yeah, well, that's the benefit with, I guess, Bree Davies. She can play anywhere and, and being able to prolong careers, getting them out to the outside and, and being able to use her kicking and getting it forward and hitting the scoreboard. You can get 
some of those players in that can play that inside role and really win the hard bowling and make it easier on the other midfielders. And I'm also looking around at what forwards might be available because the one thing we've been critical on about the, the Collingwood forward line is the lack of recognised true centre-half forward. They've been trying to make something out of Sophie Alexander and Sophie Casey. Um, uh, you know, who who's there that's available that's really going to help their forward line and their forward power that um, could be there later in the draft? Um, as I go through, there's nothing that stands out from the Collingwood list that's available. Uh, ironically, out of the Southern Saints, Frankie Hocking, who's playing in the back line, was a centre-half forward in Sydney. You know, maybe that is a gamble as they as they go on in the draft. Jenna Colwell out of Richmond will uh, maybe an opportunity there. Um, she's been around the system. Penny Killer-Reed will know her from the St Kilda Sharks days. Um, Cleo Saxon-Jones, I think, is going to be picked up well and truly early. I don't think someone like that is going to be available as it comes to the draft. Maybe a Katie Angelus gets that crack. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. It's so hard to sort of predict these, like particularly, obviously, Melbourne Collingwood, the ones with the later picks, because you just don't know who's going to be there. And um, hopefully there's someone that Collingwood have identified that uh, might not uh, other clubs have identified. Then there's, of course, uh, Alexandra Quickly that's available out of Essendon, a young enough player in her early 20s. That's someone that they could develop and that's certainly there. And then you've got a proven commodity sitting there if they're willing to change their forward line structure. They've got Sarah Perkins available out of Hawthorne. Yeah, it'd be interesting uh, if they do go down that line because obviously for the same reason that Mo Hope didn't work out that they, they, they need to find something that benefits the forwards and, and whatnot because we know that their, their game plan previous years has not been... Um, forward friendly at times and obviously even though they've had the forwards the midfield hasn't quite clicked and whatnot the defence has generally held up last year at least um, so it'll be interesting to see how they structure their forward line especially obviously mention out to Steve Simmons who's now taking over that um, program coming from Norwood with a lot of success so um, we could see a very different looking Collingwood and perhaps there might be someone out of the sandfall that he potentially convinces to come across. Absolutely, and you'll hear about that, of course, in our non-Victorian uh, episode. There are some players that uh, he would have had contact with that he might be able to try and bring across because it's not unusual for the South Australians to come across. We saw last year with Jess Edwards who came across to Collingwood for their VFLW program and then got pinched by Carlton. So um, th- there is possibility of some good South Australians uh, jumping across the border. For the Geelong Football Club, their picks coming into this uh, draft are sitting at the following positions. They'll have pick 11 in the national draft in the opening round. After that, for uh, the second round, Geelong will have pick number 34. Going into round three, the Cats will have pick number 50. In round four, the Cats will have pick number 65. In round five, pick uh, number 80 there for the Cats. So they've got five picks, as we talked about earlier. Middle of the draft, in a way, bar the first round, the rest probably don't matter because, again, we've got that zoning, which players nominate for Geelong. Geelong says, thank you. If we want you, we'll sign you. Obviously, their first pick, uh, I think Millie will cough up that first pick. Someone will bid for her. Um, she's clearly a, a terrific talent. Um, after that, it'll be interesting who they go for. As you mentioned, they might go for the youth. Um, Mia Skinner's probably one I would uh, look at for Geelong because of her forward craft. Um Luca Lazowski, hey, I know that Geelong rate really highly and no doubt um, helped to get to the draft um, and see her as a as a future midfielder, a ball-winning midfielder in there. Paige Shepard, um, whether or not she's someone who I could see going to another club, but again, it depends whether or not she nominates the whole of Victoria. Um, I, I'm just keen to, to see how it all goes down, but certainly Geelong, it's more interesting, I guess, last year where they sort of had that top pick and you knew that, 
like they would might actually try and pick someone who's outside the Geelong region, but I think that their hand will be dealt um, obviously with where they are and, and with Millie Brown particularly. Um, and of course, um, how, how they deal with um, McAvoy and whatnot in terms of their quality, because she's, she's a top three pick. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that ends up. Uh, we know last year it was quite interesting how they juggled, um, obviously Nina Morrison and um, Liv Purcell. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to see how how it's worked out with particularly those two. After that, I think it's fair to say that the rest are all that mid to late draft um, region, so it's not um, too bad in that sense. But certainly, those two will be the interesting ones. And for the Carlton Football Club, they come into the draft first in Conference uh, B. They made the grand final in a realistic uh, uh, ladder. They would have been about fifth overall. They come into the draft with pick number two and pick number 13 in the opening round. So position well to get a very good player and uh, one of the better under 18 players and they come into the second round uh, Carlton's first picks coming up at pick 26 then they pick again at pick 36 as they move into the third round they'll have uh, pick number 44 then pick number 52 in the fourth round they'll have pick number 59 and then for Carlton as I scan through that will be the last of their picks there at uh, 59 so they've got some action going on early not as much as the Western Bulldogs but uh uh, enough to at least get um, a very good under-18, maybe one or two good under-18 footballers, and then maybe a pick of the crop of the senior VFLW listed talent. Yeah, so Georgia Patrikios obviously works at Carlton, so and she's best friends with Maddie Prasparkas and <laughs> Maddie's sister, uh, Georgie, who's going to be pick one in a couple of years. So, um, But I, I think if she's on the board, she's off the board the second that Carlton have. I think that'll be the quickest name they ever read out. Um, if the Bulldogs end up taking her, then you, you're going to probably look at Gabby Newton, who's already a part of that system. Again, presuming that Lucy McAvoy did nominate Geelong. Um, and in that case, uh, yeah, it'll be Gabby Newton, you'd think, there. Um, and whether or not they team her up with Brittany Goodneck, um, who's also obviously Carlton, or whether perhaps they go outside the box and, and they go look at some of the other options. They might go a Cleo Saxon-Jones um, to add an extra forward in there or or someone who can maybe have, play another role as well, push up the ground. Um, they might go for a, uh, Serena Gibbs, uh, obviously, because Rhiannon Watt went. So they might go for someone along that line, but she might be available later. Um, it's, it's quite interesting, but I certainly think pick two, uh, if Georgia Patrikios is there, they're going for her. As we look at the players that they've got to, f- to fill in for, including Brianna Davis, the biggest hole. Uh, no question about that. Brie could play back or play midfield for them. Um, plus, the, the no more Rennie Hicks. They need someone in the back pocket. No more Shea Audley. So they're going to need some help the inside midfield. The player they'll look at straight away out of that senior VFLW listed talent that they want as the pick of the crop is Georgia Nenskarwin. Um, Georgia Nance Garman is, of course, uh, out of the Essendon Football Club, formerly of North Melbourne. We spoke about her earlier, Georgia Nance Garman. I'll get her surname right at, at some stage. It's a tricky one. But they call her Little Red. She's a tough nut. She loves to tackle. I think the game I saw against, I think it was Collingwood or Darabin. She had like, uh, it was Darabin, in fact. She had about six or seven tackles in the opening three minutes of the game. She was absolutely ferocious. Okay, she's not on the same level of Brianna Davey, but there's someone that is going to help that midfield. Yeah, and it- if they need someone like that, like that inside uh, ball magnet, someone who can play inside, perhaps drift back, someone like that. You could look at uh, Elizabeth Georgia Stathis as well. She plays defence, loves to tackle, goes in fierce, um, just won't um, back away from anything. She loves a good tackle and 
um, you know, we've, we've seen that uh, throughout the time. Same with Ella Wood uh, in terms of the under-18s. And um, as you mentioned, there's there's plenty of players over the journey. Uh, maybe Olivia Flanagan ends up slipping down or, or someone along those lines. Um, Alana Barber might be an option in terms of the inside. Uh, there's, there's plenty of different players that by the time you get to the, uh, I guess, later on in the draft, particularly um, Caitlin Cox might be... One, Holly Whitford, who provides plenty of tackling pressure, has the experience. And, and then you've also still got on the table when it comes to that stage of the draft, probably Taylor Denuccio, the leading tackler in the VFLW. Yeah, and, and they would have seen that throughout the year, knowing how well she she plays there and is able to impact a contest so, um, I, I guess, regularly. So to have someone in there that might be able to provide it for the outside, we know how... Um, well their game plan goes and how, I guess, attractive to watch them move the ball so quickly. It's so different to what we'd seen in previous years. And um, look, I, I think that Daniel Harford will be have the finger on the pulse right there and, and be able to work out the players that fit the game style and, and able to play within those, um, I guess, refines of what he's looking for. You are listening to AFLW Draft Insight, a special production of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football on RA. And Carnival. What we might do is just take a quick break. When we return, we're going to be taking a look at the Tigers and the Saints, the two new Victorian clubs, what picks they have and who they could be picking up. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au You're listening to AFLW Draft Insight, a special production of the Final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden, along with Peter Williams. Okay, so let's take a look at the draft picks that Richmond are going to have coming into this draft. Now, they're going to have pick number seven overall in the national draft, which works out to be about pick five in the Victorian draft. Other picks that the uh, Tigers are going to have as they go along is pick number 25 in round two, and then pick number 40 also in round two. A handful of picks after that, they'll have pick 43 in round three of the draft, then pick number 55 also in round three. When they come to round four, they'll have pick number 58 and pick number 71. In round five, they'll have pick number 73, then pick number 85, and their final pick will be pick number 88, which is the uh, sixth round there, third last pick of the draft. So if we look at it, Peter, they're, they're not in a prime position to get a lot of the best under-18s, but they do have a lot of picks. They're going to be very active, and I guess they're going to be scouring through for those best VFLW footballers. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to pick the eyes out of the draft. Obviously, uh, look for some of the value down late. But uh, for that first pick that you mentioned, they had quite a high pick. And um, hopefully they can pick up a player just to, I guess, bolster their list overall. They're a new club coming in. So it's going to be quite interesting 
the way that they look at it. They might look at a Northern Knights, Brittany Gutnick, or maybe they pounce on Liz, uh, Georgia Stathis from the Western Jets, maybe someone like that just to add to the, to the midfield mix because obviously they've got quite a powerful forward line. So they're probably going to look either midfield or perhaps in defence. And I think for the defensive aspect, you can definitely find that uh, later on in the draft with the through the VFL women's or state league, depending on where they uh, want to potentially draft a player. But certainly for that top end, maybe best available, especially when they do have that um, high pick to pick whoever they believe is the best available in the draft. Yeah, when you have a look at it, they do need to bolster the midfield a little bit. As much as Katie Brennan's going to play in the midfield, they're also going to have, uh, obviously, Monconti in there as well. But they do need to bolster that. I'm thinking along the lines that they might look for a Georgia Nenskarwin uh, to see if uh, she can help out um, and uh, try and uh, get that hard ball to try and release Monconti on the outside. Uh, you've got the underrated Ali Gavalis. If you're looking at the back line, you've got another Bulldogs player down there in Taladinuccio who could come off the halfback. So, again, they're going to have to try and, uh, as we said, they're got a lot of picks there, but they're going to be very careful with their selections. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Obviously, being a new club, it's important to try and uh, get them as, uh, I guess, right as they can and, and really have a good start to the uh, to their whole organisation and, and particularly for the 2020 season. And we know they've got some elite talents there, particularly up forward and um, just assisting Conti through the middle and uh, bolstering, uh, I guess, a midfield around her. So if we have a look at where St Kilda are going with their draft pick, St Kilda have got uh, pick number five overall in the national draft, which actually means pick three just behind Carlton and just ahead of uh, the Bulldogs' second pick and Richmond. Um, going later on into the draft, uh, St Kilda are going to have uh, pick number 24, then pick number 30, then pick number 33, then pick number 41. So very active there in the second round. As they go into the third round, they are going to sit it out and have a break. When it comes to the fourth round, they'll be back again at pick number 63 when it hits the fifth round the Saints will be at the back of the pack with pick number 84 and then in the sixth round they'll have the second last pick overall of the draft being pick number 89. What I see out of that Peter is an interesting position for St Kilda. Uh, Being near the front they've got um, as you keep talking about the elite three they're going to get one of them for sure Um, and then once they've got a lot of picks in round two once you take out the interstate clubs and they bump up the order a bit they've still got access I reckon to two or three more under 18 footballers probably near the back end before they start to look at that VFLW talent yeah they're certainly in a really good position going into that draft there are players that obviously slip down and um, Gemma LaJoy is a perfect example of someone who I think is in that next bracket, provides a bit of skill. They picked up Molly McDonald, who's probably a little bit the opposite. She's, you know, willing to go in really hard. Like, um, she, she provides that inside presence, can go to the outside. The Joy can provide the other, uh, I guess, skill on the wing and, and, and up forward or down back. Um, just gives that bit of, uh, I guess, class that they can add to that list. Um, as we sort of mentioned with Richmond, if they might go for a Brittany Goodneck to add the extra inside or... Um, perhaps another midfielder around the traps, or maybe they potentially look down the down the list at like a, a Sandringham Dragon who maybe Molly Dennehy Maloney late uh, just to add an extra ruck. I know they've got a few rucks, but uh, maybe developing one through. Um, or, you know, Marguerite Purcell uh, is another option coming from that, or even a Brooke Vernon from Danny Nong who made uh, the National Combine list. So there's quite a few options that have uh, got links with the Southern Saints, and It'll be really fascinating to see the way they go, but certainly um, I think getting some more experience in later in the draft through the VFLW 
uh, or, or other state leagues, uh, it would be terrific for them, I think. And knowing with Peter Sell's philosophy that she's been getting a lot of footballers that are either 19 or in their early 20s and getting them into the side, I start to see players like Rosie Dillon and Olivia Flanagan out of Hawthorne and also Holly Whitfield out of Melbourne University. They seem to be in the prime age bracket that Peter Sell's looking at. Yeah, she's been identifying players that have been maybe around for a couple of years, few years, um, whether it's they've had AFLW experience or toiling away in the VFLW waiting for their chance. They've probably got that little bit more experience, a bit more ready-made than, say, a, a 17, 18-year-old that's coming straight into the system. So just provide that extra, I guess, um, bigger body, uh, tackling pressure, contested work, um, or just overall, I guess, smart, uh, smarts of the game and uh, goal sense, perhaps, if they're a forward, and, and just being able to settle down with some composure. So I definitely think she'll probably look at some options uh, that will support the young side that she's brought in. So as we wrap up our AFLW Draft Insight for the final Siren podcast by draftcentral.com.au and Women's Australian Rules Football Radio has Women's Australian Rules Football on RSC and Carnival. Um, it, it's hard to judge, obviously, without seeing a fixture yet, not knowing if the conference system's there or not and who's going to be in what conference and, and what the AFL are organising for season 2020. But just guessing upon the positions that they finished last year, what club is going to come best out of this draft that's really going to have a real shot in their arm for their position on the ladder? Well, there's two clubs that stand out for mine, and that's obviously the Bulldogs, who have the majority of the top 10 picks. They've got three absolutely um, elite talents they can bring in, including the, the number one pick. And then there's Geelong. They're the two clubs for mine that I think will come away with this very, very happy. For mine coming out of the draft, I agree on the Western Bulldogs because they're going to get a great truckload of under-18 talent there and maybe one or two good VFLW footballers at the back of it. And they've proven through the VFLW season they've got a very strong back end of their current AFLW-listed talent. And they weren't that far off the pace last year in 2019. Just a few things didn't go their way. I think they can make up for it. Um, they can make up for Monconti. And KB was injured part of the time anyway throughout her time there. So they weren't really losing a lot if you look at it in that respect. So I think the Western Bulldogs come out of it well. I think North Melbourne come out of this very well. They've got um, a mid-round pick in each of them. They've already got a good strong list. Just The results just didn't go their way to get into the grand final. They've just got to top up a little bit here and there and just find if they can narrow in and get the right one or two players and everyone's fully fit for them, North Melbourne are positioned very well. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. When you're in a premiership contention like they are, you just need to fill the little holes or little areas that you think will take you from basically second or third or thereabouts to the absolute premiership. And that, and that's what they need to do. And I, no doubt, you know, Scott Gowans is a magnificent sort of mind and able to think through these things. And he'll know exactly what they need and um, have identified that. And then hopefully they're able to do that. Well, Peter, thank you very much for your company and joining us here on AFLW Draft Insight, our look at the Victorians that will be in the draft, and we look forward to your company next week as we look outside the state of Victoria, the non-Victorians, who's going where? Yeah, it's a very exciting time, the draft, and I look forward to getting stuck into that one. Uh, very enjoyable time today. This has been AFLW Draft Insight by draftcentral.com.au and warfradio.com.